There's no friend as loyal as a book. Ernest Hemingway. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our bookcast. That was Kayla. I'm Brandy, and we're two bitches reading books. And oh my God, we're reading Verity right now, and this shit is crazy. I was shocked by a lot of things. I guessed a lot of things, right? But oh my gosh, I was shocked at the ending. I was shocked at the ending. Like I told you before, I was kind of upset at how easy it was to kind of guess some of this stuff. Yeah. You know, I think that some of the predictability made the twists feel even twistier because the whole time you're like, yeah, everything seems like what I think is going to happen. And then the last like 30 pages, that wasn't in my prediction. Yeah, Holly. true. Yeah. <laughs> you went 30 pages further than what I thought you were going to go. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to get into it. I used three full sets of sticky notes and like a little sliver of yellow. I have so many notes in this book. It's so funny. Jumping right into chapter nine of So Be It. Verity talks about this is the first time that Jeremy ever kind of got mad at her and threw her dinner across the room. My first note on this section of reading is I don't really like chicken and dumplings. That's what I thought too. Dumplings are so why? Who invented I said, this? Ooh, it's so mushy. <laughs> it's so it's like moist on the outside and dry on the inside. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm not into it. And boiled chicken smells so strange. Yeah, but this is only the fifth meal she's ever cooked in their new house. Oh, I guess they've only been there for two weeks. Five meals she cooked all there already. There, Jesus, that's way more than I've cooked. <laughs> that's way more than I've cooked, and I lived in this house for two months. <laughs> yeah. So um, she's talking about how they're still having sex every day, but it feels different. Like he's disconnected and he's just doing this because it's their routine. So she decided to cook chicken and dumplings because this is his favorite meal. She wanted to like make him like her again. Now I'm questioning everything I think about Jeremy because I'm like, what kind of person are you? That chicken and dumplings is your favorite meal. He's just a simple man (laughs) doing simple things. Simple. So the reason Jeremy's mad at her is because she put the girls in daycare without asking him. They're like out in the middle of nowhere now and they can't get a nanny like she's used to. And like, we all know she's not fucking nannying them. Yeah, no. And she put them in daycare so she could write, allegedly. And so she doesn't have to be around them, allegedly. Jeremy like really doesn't want anybody caring for their kids but them because Chaston has a peanut allergy. And there's a part on page 202 where Verity's like, I wouldn't put her in a daycare that didn't know about her allergy, Jeremy. I wouldn't be that stupid. I actually like this one. (laughs) (laughs) So she says, whatever it was that had him irritated with me, I was positive it was something a bowl of dumplings and a good fuck would help him forget and that's the second last paragraph on 202 and she loves manipulating him (laughs) maybe she does yeah and she started dinner late that night on purpose so the girls would be asleep while they were eating so they wouldn't have to be at that table it's very sexual the ambiance is perfect they have candles and music playing she had sexy lingerie on under her clothes so she told him that Chaston's fully potty trained. He's like, oh, that's good. She said Chaston's learned seven colors. Only she didn't say it's Chaston's name. She just said she and Jeremy was like, who? And he, she was like, Chaston. 
And he starts getting an attitude, and she doesn't understand why. She finally, like, after they've had this back and forth for a little while, finally asks what he's mad about. And I just can't believe that would have been the first thing if he got snippy with me the first time. I would have been like, what? what's the toot about? I'll leave right now. But anyways, yeah. some people are more patient than me. And he says he's not mad. But eventually, he finally admits that he's sick of listening to Verity talk about Chastin. And not Harper, not them, not the girls, just Chastin, Chastin, Chastin. So he's noticed. They're three years old, and he doesn't want this to continue because they're going to notice soon, too. My note here is, oh, he learns the truth. Little did I know that Verity was going to manipulate the situation. Because she's a master at this, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. he calls her out. She doesn't know what to say. She panics, obviously. She, like, starts looking up to the sky thinking stupid girl god won't help you out of this one she says chastin's just smarter than harper she accomplishes things first and of course jeremy's like do not say that harper's intelligent blah 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 and she's still like backpedaling and she's just saying that chastin's not smarter than harper you're right she's just more quiet and the way verity loves her is more quiet and chastin is more outgoing so the way she loves her is more outgoing and oh my gosh she just like (laughs) is so good at justifying her favoritism she is and then she says that harper is like jeremy and so when she's in mood she doesn't really talk to her and she talks to chastin more mm-hmm. and then she remembers something that she can so conveniently bring up now when she was picking up at the daycare one of the teachers said that harper should be tested for asperger's she was able to change the mood a little bit she totally forgot that someone told her that her daughter might have autism <laughs> until her back was against the wall and she had to claw her way out yeah she's a fucked up person she mentions at the top of 206 i was good at spewing bullshit it's why i became a writer and if she just applied some of this bullshit she spewed she'd be such a good parent wouldn't she Mm -hmm. but this like satiates jeremy he starts to stop being mad he admits that he's worried about her and he just wants verity to not act like she has favorites because it'll upset her eventually. So Verity lies and said that she had already called a specialist, but she's going to end up doing it tomorrow. And she said they're going to call back when they have an opening just to kind of cover her ass. And then Jeremy's like, do you think Harper's on the autism spectrum? And then he starts doing what everyone does and uh, Google symptoms. Mm -hmm. And she's like, don't do that. You're just going to worry yourself sick. Because she just wants his attention. So in true Verity style, she gets his attention by saying, it's going to be really expensive putting three kids through daycare. Reels them back in by faking a pregnancy real quick. And this is how crew comes to be. And my note in here is Verity is a bitch. She is such a bitch. Also, I could not go through with having a whole ass child. No. Out of spite. No. (laughs) Saying I was sloppy with the pills couple weeks ago I just found out this morning and she's even like fake smiling for him even the last time she was pregnant she hated it he even mm-hmm. catches that you're happy about it of course I am are you and then he is happy about it because he loves being a dad oh dang now they're kissing now they're on the bed he's got all her clothes off and, and he says are you wearing lingerie and you made my favorite meal He says, he's so sorry. You were trying to make tonight special and I ruined it for you. And I feel so bad for him. I do too, because he thinks that she was trying to make it special to reveal the pregnancy when she was just trying to make it special so she could have sex with him. Basically. 
a little further down on 208, even after twins, my body was nearly perfect. Aside from the scar on my abdomen, the most important parts of me were still intact, still fairly firm. And my note is most important parts. (laughs) I don't know. I'm counting the chunk of nerves and electricity in my noggin as like the most important part, but whatever. Sure. Vagina can be a close second. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, and then it gets sexy again. He stayed between her legs until she came twice for him. And then he crawls up her body and pauses at her stomach and kisses her. And then when he was inside her, he said, I love you and kissed her and said, thank you. And she's like, he's thanking me for being pregnant. So she's not, she's not <laughs> She happy. doesn't like that. She said, he made love to me with so much care, with so much compassion. It was almost worth faking the pregnancy just to have him love love me like that again, to get our connection back. She doesn't seem to realize that if she, like, had a connection with their children, he would probably be like that all the time. Yeah. But whatever, sure, have another baby. (laughs) And then the last paragraph on 209. Oh, my gosh. There was a small part of me that was concerned about faking the pregnancy, but I knew I had options if I didn't get pregnant that week. Miscarriages were just as easy to fake as pregnancies. Verity is an evil bitch. Like, there's nothing else to say. That's insane. She's just toying with Jeremy's emotions. Yeah. That's the so, end of that chapter of So Be It. Thank goodness. Uh, my first note on chapter 16 is she wrote an erotica book. Oh, she totally did. Even Lowen is like, I'm getting bored after a week of reading Verity's manuscript. It's just... Detailed sex with Jeremy and nothing to do with her children. She only wrote two paragraphs about crew being born. And then it was right back on to talk about the first time they were able to fuck after crew was born. (laughs) Ah, Makes me laugh. She does say she's starting to feel a little jealous. At this point, she's been there about two weeks now. And there's like days before her advance hits her account. So she'll be able to leave very soon. Yeah, and so she finally finished the outline for the first book and sent it to Corey for feedback. He's going to send it to the editor because he still hasn't read any of Verity's book. And she says she doesn't want to start on the second outline until they get criticism back for that one. Right, because, I mean, I totally get this. When I'm in school, I hate starting my second assignment of the semester without knowing how the teacher is going to grade my shit. Like, do I have to try super hard or can I half-ass it and still get a good grade? Because if it's a second option, I am half-assing, bruh. Yeah. Oh, my note on 210, this is so funny, when she talks about the advance hitting her account, Mm -hmm. I put, I wonder if Verity is telling the editors to not send the advance to her account because (laughs) she's been waiting for a while oh interesting interesting yeah she's burnt out from working so much she doesn't want to do that line and I just loved the line on the second paragraph of 211 where she says but I'm not really in the mood to read about all the ways Verity can suck her husband's dick (laughs) (laughs) So she ends up going out to watch some TV. She watches HGTV. She's thinking about how she doesn't want to tell Jeremy her birthday as she's going out to watch TV. Yeah. And my note here is, oh, he's going to make it super special. And (laughs) he does. Jeremy comes downstairs. He asks her, she's uh, watching it for research. And he says, of course, always. And then he says, oh, Verity would always binge watch TV when she had writer's block. She said sometimes it sparked new ideas. Lowen was like, I just don't really want to talk about Verity. And so she tells him that she finished the outline. If it gets approved, she'll leave. And Jeremy's like, oh, yeah. And she's like, thanks for letting me stay longer than I should have. And he's like, longer than you should have. So he's being um, very flirtatious. Yeah. He says, I don't think it's been long enough. 
Yep. And I love the next paragraph. She says, I don't know what he means by that. If he thinks I didn't do enough work while I was here, or if he's saying it selfishly, like he didn't get to spend enough time with me. And I'm like, definitely, definitely selfishly. You could have not worked at all. And now Lowen is being selfish and starts thinking about his life and why is he giving up huge parts of himself for a woman who is just a shell of a person. Yeah, she's thinking, I understood he made vows, but at what cost? His entire life? And I just can't stop thinking that it's only been a couple of months. Like, it's only been a couple of months. And in her head, he's completely in love with Verity. He doesn't know any of the shit that we know. And that would be still so fast. Like, I I don't know if I would even want to be in a relationship with somebody who just lost their, basically lost their wife three months ago and they were ready to move on. How fast are you going to move on from me? Yeah, exactly. But she doesn't think it seems fair. She says, if she were married and my husband were in Jeremy's predicament, I wouldn't want my husband to feel like he could never move on. But, like, never is a far cry from, like, months. Yeah. I wouldn't want it to be in years. Yeah. (laughs) I would want him to look up the amount of time it takes to recover and double that. Yeah. And then he can move on. If he's still sad after doubling, just do it one more time. Do a triple. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be fine. So they've been chatting so long that the show ends and another one starts. Jeremy starts getting chatty, asking her questions like, have you ever been married? How old are you? And then, of course, that brings up that she's going to be 32 tomorrow and she has to go get her driver's license to prove it. He stares at the driver's license a moment longer when he runs his thumb over my picture. I get actual chills. He didn't even touch me. He touched my fucking driver's license. And it turned me on. That's not even a good picture. And I put a note in here. Did he not want to hook up with her before because he didn't think she was of age? I'm sure he just adores her so much that he can't help but want to touch her. My note right here was just, ooh. Yeah, and he goes and he bakes her a cake. If a man bakes for you, it means he wants to fuck you. Yeah, it's true. It It means a lot of things, I think. So she, of course, goes into the kitchen, watches him make the cake and ice the cake and all the stuff. She says this is the only, only the second time she's ever actually had fun because they didn't talk about verity or tragedies. Oh, sounds cute. They've just been chatting this whole hour. She and says she can almost, almost understand verity's addiction to him. He wants her to go back to the living room so he can surprise her with a cake. And so she goes into the kitchen. I'm panicking. He he waits until midnight and he brings the cake in with the candles and he starts singing happy birthday to her. It's so cute. She loves it. I thought I was going to melt when I was reading this. She blows out a candle. She won't tell him the wish because then it won't come true. He says, maybe you could tell me after it comes true. Yeah, exactly. He knows exactly what she wished for. And then he's telling her why the cake is so moist is because he put pudding in it. And I just want to know if that's really fucking true. And do you make the pudding or do you just put in like the pudding powder? I think you put in the pudding powder. Very interesting. And she gets a icing on her mouth. And then he like wipes it with his thumb. And I can't fucking breathe. And she can't fucking breathe. He doesn't move his finger. It's getting real sexy. She says she's aching everywhere. Lots of eyebrow waggling. If we had the recording on right now, you would be watching that. Yeah, he doesn't (laughs) drop the cake. He leans it across her and places it on the table. In the same fluid movement, he brings his hand to my head and presses his lips to mine. Even after all the anticipation, I've 
help for this moment. It still feels completely unexpected. They are making out. She's talking about how slow it's going. It doesn't last long. But as soon as that first nice one happens, then it becomes manic, she says. It's everything I imagined kissing him would feel like. Radiation, explosives, dynamite, anything and everything dangerous. And I'm like, this is fucking hot. Yep, and they taste like chocolate since they were just eating chocolate cake. And part of me was like, that's kind of disgusting. My note is, happy birthday, Lowen. But I bet Crew's about to walk in. Jeremy's putting his hands up her skirt. It's getting crazy. She leans her head back against the couch because, you know, she's getting ready to enjoy herself. He's pulling off her shirt. It's getting real crazy. How cute. He puts he his, like, her booby in his mouth. Yeah, and he's like groaning at the side of her, and I love that. And then all of a sudden, she looks at the top of the stairs, and who the fuck is at the top of the stairs but Verity with her fists clenched at her sides, just looking at her, looking at Lowen with her man, and then she skitters back to her room. And that scared the shit out of me. I was reading this, and I had chills. I did, too. My note is, oh, my god oh my gosh i'm getting chills again that would be so fucking scary and so unexpected right and yeah. like verity you bitch this is lowen's birthday do you have no respect no respect whatsoever not for the woman that's fucking her husband yeah oh my gosh what a situation we're in obviously lowen is like get off me i just saw verity jeremy thinks that she's saying like, think Verity. What, what would Verity think? And Lowen is trying to say, like, Verity was just at the top of the fucking stairs. He was kind of like, what are you talking about? She can't walk. And so she repeats herself. And then he goes upstairs. And she's like, he's not leaving me down here alone. So she goes upstairs. And he goes into the room. And Verity's laying on the bed. <sighs> she's so good at faking it. Mm-hmm. I was so scared at this point. This woman tried to kill her babies over her obsession for Jeremy. Mm-hmm. I would not want to live in her fucking house. Mm-mm. So Jeremy is completely fooled by Verity still. And of course, Lowen's still like, I saw her, but whatever. They are not going to continue their fun time tonight. <laughs> no. And Jeremy says, you've been working for two weeks without a break. You're exhausted. It's paranoia, guilt, and just basically tells her to go to sleep. Yeah. And she doesn't want to uh, go to sleep alone. So she asks if he will stay with her. <laughs> so some more nonsense can happen. No, actually, it's not even going to be tonight that the nonsense happens. No. So at this point, I was like, I could not wait to find out if it was paranoia or not. And I was kind of starting to be convinced that Lowen was just seeing things. Yeah. He does end up staying with her. Of course, he can't stay all night because he has to be there for crew. Like, he has to make sure he doesn't get scared. But also, like, in the back of our head, we all know he doesn't want crew to see that he's sleeping with Lauren. Yeah. And they have a nice call time. And she asks if there's any way that Verity could be faking her injuries. And he says, no, I saw the scans. And she's like, but people get better and injuries heal. And I just want to know, like, what did the scan show you? I was trying to Google that, and I could not figure it out. We need a professional to come tell us. Because I want to know as well, like, what do you have to see on a scan to believe that there's no activity in the brain? Now we're on chapter 17. Lowen is not convinced that Jeremy should be so sure that she can't get out of bed. So she goes to bed completely convinced that she had seen Verity at the top of the stairs. And she wakes up not really trusting herself because, you know, her mom kind of brainwashed her to think that she's the problem and other people are perfect that's true and so she's like was a hallucination do I feel guilty did I really see her 
She said Jeremy left her bed around four in the morning and she heard him lock the door. He texted her a minute later and said, text me if you need anything. She's like thinking Jeremy must not like her because she's a hysterical mess of a woman who wakes up in his wife's bed in the middle of the night and then claims to see his wife standing at the top of the stairs after he finally kisses her. It's been two weeks and he's married, so I don't know about the finally. But anyways, she's convinced that he's about to come into the office and ask her to leave. But he actually comes in and says he's going to start locking Verity's door from the outside to help low end sleep and he fucking likes her he does jeez he does and in this chapter she says when she's worried about him asking her to leave she isn't ready to go because the money still hasn't hit her account right she's really in a predicament here like verity might kill her at any moment but she'll be living in her car if she leaves yeah she is also on this page 223 Thinking about how Cruz spends so much time up there with her that he would know. Yeah. And she's also debating on if she should give Jeremy Verity's manuscript or not. There's nothing really damning in it right now that would make me feel like I would have to give it to him. Yeah. And she is on that same spectrum, too. Like, she's on that end of the spectrum. She feels like she doesn't have any apparent reason to fake this disability. She doesn't know, you know all the facts that we know about the car accident and shit. So she doesn't know any reason Verity would have to fake this disability. So she's like, maybe I shouldn't tell. Maybe it ends with a happy ending. She's like sitting here trying to justify all of this. She keeps thinking about the manuscript and then she is wondering why a woman would fake a disability for months on end without any apparent reason. She says that she just hasn't finished the manuscript. So she just doesn't know what happened to Harper Chaston. So then she just decides to dive in while skipping intimate parts of Verity and Jeremy. And then we jump right into chapter 13 of So Be It. Yeah, Verity got pregnant within two weeks of lying to Jeremy about her pregnancy. So good for her. She said she thanked God with a prayer, even though I don't think he had a hand in it. So that's funny to me because I think it was the last one that we learned that her parents were very religious. <laughs> yes, no wonder she's such a crazy person. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. And she said, crew was a good baby, I'm assuming. By that point, I was making so much money, I was able to afford a full-time nanny, and Jeremy was staying home. She also says that Jeremy didn't like having a nanny, didn't think it was necessary because he quit his job. So she called their housekeeper the nanny. She also had those windows that Loan loved so much installed specifically so she could watch Jeremy from every angle. She was so obsessed with him. <laughs> so obsessed. She's like, life is good for a little while. I did all the easy parts of mothering. Jeremy and the nanny did all the hard parts and she traveled. She did book tours and interviews. And even though she didn't like leaving Jeremy, she noticed when she got home after a week, he gave her a lot of attention, just like the olden days. So sometimes, even if she didn't have to go out for a book tour, she would just rent a place in Manhattan, just watch TV, and then go home. And Jeremy would fuck her like she was his virgin. Life was great. She is addicted to him. She's a junkie. She's, like, going to sell off all of her precious jewels to buy another hit. Yeah. She's talking about this. Life is great until it wasn't. She says it happens in an instant. She'll never forget it. She was just standing at the sink washing a fucking raw chicken. And somebody calls and she finds out that 
Chastin died. She tells the whole story. She's listening to Jeremy on the phone. She's washing the chicken. He's talking. He raises his voice, still washing the chicken. And then he starts screaming. And then she vomits on the chicken. And she says, this is how I'll always remember one of the worst moments of my life. Our entire drive over to the hospital, I was wondering how Harper had done it. Had she smothered her like in my dream or had she come up with a more clever way to murder her sister? Immediately. They haven't even seen Chastin yet. They don't even know how she died and it's Harper's fault. Yeah. It's just a really sad page 227. I didn't take very many notes um, until the the last paragraph. Yeah. The only one I said was I couldn't imagine. They get to the hospital and the mom whose house the girls were at just kept saying, I'm sorry, she wouldn't wake up. She just kept saying she wouldn't wake up. She wouldn't wake up. Verity said it was like Chastin was some kind of spoiled brat who just wanted to sleep in. The doctors had to escort them to the family room, which everyone knows is the room where they tell you that someone died. Yeah. And at the end of 227, she says, when we finally got to see her, she'd been dead less than a day, but she didn't smell like Chastin. She already smelled like death. And Jeremy was asking all the questions. How did it happen? Did they have peanuts? When did they go to sleep? Was her EpiPen taken out of her bag? And they were all the right questions, but they didn't get answers until over a week when her cause of death came out. And it was anaphylaxis. And she's like, we're hyper vigilant about her peanut allergy. Everyone knew how to use the EpiPen. Kitty knew about her allergy and kept the nuts out of their reach. So she really starts to formulate this hypothesis in her head that Harper must have done something while all the adults were sleeping. So they found out that the girls, after the parents had gone to sleep, the girls went into the pantry and grabbed a handful of snacks. Chastin was only eight. It was late, and no one realized that there were nuts in the, in the snacks, and that's when Chastin died in that her sleep. That sounds like something that could happen very easily. Also, like, yeah. how, how good are you at reading when you're eight? Yeah. So Verity has made the decision, basically, to kill Harper. I wrote revenge kill. For sure. At the top of 229, she's complaining that it's been three months since Chastin died and her and Jeremy have only had sex twice. He doesn't even kiss her with tongue. And I'm like, once again, it's only been three months. (laughs) We need a lot more months. Like, double-digit months. Like, in the 20s to 30s. Yeah. She wants the old Jeremy back. She tries to have sex with him, but he's like, oh, you don't have to. And she was like, he said like he was doing a me a favor like he was turning me down for my reassurance and she's like I didn't need reassurance I didn't and so she says that she's already accepted Chastin's death because she had a dream about it so she said that she had made sure to give Chastin all the love that she had every minute when she was alive because she knew that this was eventually going to happen and then she also says at the end of 229 part of me felt responsible had I just tried choking her again as an infant or leaving an open bottle of bleach near her as a toddler or ramming the passenger side of my car into a tree while she was unbuckled with the airbag turned off all of it could have been avoided she's crazy yeah she says so many potential accidents that I could have staged should have staged And she could have fixed all of this. And then maybe Jeremy wouldn't be so fucking sad all the time. (sighs) Yeah. I don't even know what to say about that. Of course he's sad. Of course he's sad. His little daughter just died. She's such a cunt. She's such a cunt. So that's the end of that chapter of So Be It. And we are back on Verity, chapter 18. Verity is in the living room. April had brought her down. 
And April says she's wide awake this evening because she hates Lowen. Yeah. <laughs> that is pure rage. Yes. This is a crazy fucking chapter. She's Insane. watching Wheel of Fortune. Lowen's thinking about how she can't imagine going through such great lengths to fake this injury. She's not even sure how she could pull it off. So she like decides to test her and throw something to see if she'll flinch at a loud noise. And she doesn't flinch. And like this makes Lowen even more suspicious. She's like, I know she's paralyzed, but how does she not even flinch? I actually Googled this. And it says that people in a vegetative state might respond to sound. So Lowen's on to something. She maybe should have had a reaction if she's wide awake today and there was a loud noise. Oh, that's interesting. So her thought, unless she's trained herself not to react, is a good one. Yeah. She starts to creep herself out sitting there watching Verity not watching her. And she goes to the kitchen and leaves her alone for a little while. She's just sitting there thinking about all of her anxiety. From reading Verity's manuscript. She's talking about how Verity just seems so detached, so two-dimensional. Interesting observations, Lowen. Mm-hmm. And she says she's relieved that Verity had nothing to do with Chaston's death. But she's disturbed by her thought process during all of it. She says she hasn't been able to sleep very well. And I'm like, of course you haven't. Like, a murderous woman is out there probably trying to kill you every night. Yeah. So at the top of 233, you find out that she's making spaghetti for Jeremy and crew tonight. And I just love how she's a little housewife now. Like, this happened so fast. Yeah. She's purposely timing the meal so April would be gone before dinner's ready. And I just love how every woman Jeremy meets manipulates his time in some way. They do. They really do. She says, I'll be damned if I eat my birthday meal. Seated next to Verity Crawford. So she's hoping that Jeremy will take her to bed before it's time to eat. And then all of a sudden, the sound on the TV stops. And Jeremy is still upstairs, she confirms by yelling at him. And she's thinking, if this bitch turned off that goddamn television, I'm walking out the front door without shoes on, I'm never coming back. Ah, I had goosebumps at this point. She goes out to see what's going on in the living room. She says, I didn't tiptoe to the living room. I stomped. She said the television's still on, but it's not making any noise. And Verity is still in the same position. So she walks over to the table, grabs the remote, and realizes the TV's on mute. And Lowen's over it. TVs don't put themselves on mute. So she says, you're a fucking cunt to Verity. And I put <laughs> great choice of words. I was shocked. I was as shocked as she was that she said this because Verity's a disabled person. But she doesn't stop there. That just like ignites the flames inside her, she says. I can't help but think back at the beginning of Sopia on page 61. I would just like to point out Verity said, what you read will taste so bad at times, you'll want to spit it out, but you'll swallow those words and they will become part of you, part of your gut, and you'll hurt because of them. She promised us we were going to hate her if we read that book. So yeah, good job, Verity. Success. Does it taste good? Mm-hmm. Lowen says she's shaking, but not from fear this time. She's so angry at her. So angry at the type of wife she was to Jeremy, the type of mother she was to Harper. And she's angry that all this weird shit keeps happening. And that she's the only one witnessing it. So she says, you don't even deserve the body you're trapped in. And she's staring straight into her eyes. She says, I hope you die with a throat full of your own vomit the same way you attempted to kill your infant daughter. She kind of convinces herself like she can't be faking it because she would flinch if she heard this, right? She doesn't move at all. And then she says, Jeremy is going to fuck me in your bed tonight. Verity doesn't move, but she pees her pants. Jeremy walks down the stairs right after that. Yeah. So she just like backs away. 
It is like, she just needs changed, I think. I don't know what could have happened to make her pee like that suddenly. Weird. She's so fucking mad at Verity. Jeremy takes her to go clean her off. And I mean, Lowen kind of messed herself up here because now Jeremy's not going to be there for the dinner for a while. My note at the end of page 235 is she's going to make good on her threat to Verity. Yeah, I just put Lowen as a psycho. Oh my gosh, they're both psychos. Lowen ends up just eating with crew because Jeremy is taking care of Verity. And she didn't want crew to, you know, eat alone. And they didn't want to wait because the spaghetti was getting cold. Yeah, so she uh, put crew to bed. And then Jeremy was finally done with tending to Verity. And he was like, oh, sorry about that. Yeah. And he was talking about missing dinner. And Lowen's like, oh, you didn't miss anything. Just eat. And so he's like trying to figure out what's going on with her. Yeah. And she's like, I just feel bad for you. He wants to know what's wrong or why she feels bad. And she says, it's not my place. She's thinking she doesn't want to interfere with his house and his life. But then, of course, like he's pressuring her. So she admits that she feels bad for him. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for him, too. And he's like, there's nothing I can do about it. And she's like, but you can. And she talks about maybe putting Verity in some facilities. And he's like, well, crew can't be without her. And she's like... Okay, so she can be in a facility during the weekday, and then on the weekend, she can come home. And that way, they wouldn't be tied to the house. Like, him and crew would be a little more free. And, of course, Jeremy's arguing. He says, put yourself in Verity's shoes. And she's thinking, he has no idea how far she's walked in Verity's shoes. She's telling him she wouldn't want this for you, although I think she fucking would. Uh-huh. You're a prisoner in your own home. Crew is a prisoner in this home. He needs to get away from this house. He needs to go on vacations and all that stuff. And she needs to be in a facility where she can receive full-time care. And she starts to notice that he's not saying anything about his desire to have her there. Just have her there for crew. And I start to think he knows that she killed Harper at this point, for sure. And now we get into another sexual moment. Oh my gosh, and it's finally fucking happening. She's making good on her threat. I mean, it starts so innocently. She's like, I want you to take care of yourself. I want you to do what you want to do. And he says, you know what I want? You. And then that's it. He, like, marches straight towards her, grabs her waist, and they're making out by the end of 2.38. They're leaving the kitchen. She doesn't want to open her eyes just in case Verity is she's somewhere. <laughs> Verity isn't ruining it for me this time. She doesn't even care. She is fucking her husband tonight. He's like, take off your clothes. And they locked the inside of the door. The top of 239. I just could not help but notice that first paragraph. She's saying he leaves me standing next to my bed as he walked towards my bedroom door. That's Verity's bedroom. Yeah. Oh, man. So he does tell her, take off your clothes. And she's thinking, it's a command. One I'm eager to follow now that the door is locked. And they just watch each other undress. And it sounds fucking hot. Just watching each other. Yeah. She's saying she's feeling fear, excitement, irritation, desire, trepidation. Irritation at Verity, I'm sure. He soaks her up with his eyes. What a hot line. They're both standing there naked, breaths exaggerated. And he says, I don't have a condom. And she says, I'm not in the pill. And he goes, I'll pull out. And she's like, all right. My note is, all right. Now this is going to be the night that Lowen conceives. Page 240 is pretty hot. But I would like to note that... um, they just like kiss and that's like all the foreplay and I I don't know that's too much he's talking too much not enough foreplay too much talking but yeah I don't know I guess he's hot so whatever 
Yeah. He says on page 240, like the second to last paragraph, do you have any ideas how many times I've thought about being with you? And I couldn't help but think ever since he read her book, I presume. So a lot, but like, does he even like her or does he like author Lowen? Like Corey. Exactly. And just like he did with Verity with that one book. Yeah. But then he says, I'm going to take you in every position I've imagined us in. And he does. And they have sex for a half hour. And my note is a fucking half hour. (laughs) Is that a long time or a short time? That's a long time. Fuck. Especially with no foreplay. I just couldn't help but say, like, if you're going to change position like every 90 seconds like this for half an hour, there's going to be so much air. So much. In places. So much queefing. So much queefing. I I don't know. I don't know if this is how I would want to do it the first time. Yeah, I need no. to be real comfortable if there's going to be so much air getting thrust about, but whatever. Yeah, she says that in reading Verity's manuscript, she realized Verity always had control over him, so Lowen did something Verity never did and just let him take control. Yeah, and... He probably loves it. Yeah. At like the bottom half of page 241, she says, we're in what I'm assuming is one of his favorite positions, him on his back with his head on a pillow, my thighs on either side of his head. She doesn't know how they ended up there, but she notices the teeth marks on the headboard. So she doesn't want to see them, but she wants to make her own. She like actively decides that she is going to bite down on there to stifle the sounds of her climax she says good on you jeremy finally getting around to the foreplay bit and she says she bites harder into the wood just to leave deeper marks than she ever did she can feel verity's teeth marks underneath hers feeling different than hers Mm. so i just can't help but make the observation at this point that verity is always revenge fucking jeremy because she's mad at the kids and now lowen is revenge fucking him because she's mad at verity and like yeah. does anybody like jeremy or is he just some hot dude who's there when they're angry i think a hot dude that's there when they're angry <laughs> he seems great though <sighs> she says verity is mostly confined to one room but her presence looms in almost every room in this house i no longer want to think about her when i'm in this bedroom She's really proud of her fresh marks that she left behind. She runs her thumb over them to wipe away her saliva. And then Jeremy pushes her on her back and she's beneath him again. Yeah. And he just came all over her back. That's the end of that. She says she can tell this is going to be a long night. <laughs> Disgusting. Um, gosh, I, would, I, I wouldn't be able to just close my eyes and pretend Verity wasn't there. <laughs> no. I have anxiety, so I don't know. Maybe Lowen took some of that Xanax we know she's brought with her. Maybe. That's how chapter 18 ends. And then we jump into chapter 19 with her talking about how uh, the second round happened in the shower half an hour later. He loves finishing on her back. He does it again this time. Sounds sticky, but at least it was in the shower. Yeah, so she could wash it off. Yeah, and they end up in bed just having some nice little pillow talk, talking about their last relationships. Yeah, she said hers was shallow. She told him it was with Corey. Yeah, he says it makes him feel a little jealous, and that's pretty funny. And so she asked him what his relationship with Verity was like. Yeah, he's going to answer the question, but he tells her, please don't think bad of me. And he says, I loved her. She was my wife, but sometimes I wasn't really sure we knew each other. We lived together, but it's as if our worlds weren't connected. I was insanely attracted to her, which I'm sure you don't want to hear, but it's true. Our sex life was great. But the rest of it, I don't know. I felt like there was something missing in the beginning, but I stayed and I married her and we started a family because I always believed that a deeper connection was within reach. 
he thought one day they'd wake up and like the connection would just snap into place but that's not very smart jeremy like you're smart realizing that it's not there but it gets harder to maintain the connection as time goes on not easier yeah lowen realizes that he said love in past tense so she's like did you eventually find it and he says no he realized a deeper connection can't exist because he found it and she said when and he goes several weeks ago with a random woman in a coffee shop bathroom that wasn't my wife i'm tearing up that was just the sweetest thing ever yeah and she fucking loves it too she says she just feels something grow inside of her and that's your tiny fucking heart lowen your tiny heart. Yep. And then, boom, they fall asleep and wake up two hours later. And he's freaking out because he needs to be in bed at 4 a.m. And now it's 5 because if two hours have passed and it was 3 last we checked. So he's grabbing his clothes and trying to get out. And he pulls on the door and it doesn't fucking move. And I'm, like, freaking out in my head. Verity, lock them the fuck in. They t- That's totally what I did. thought. Yeah. And he's saying the door is stuck. And she's, like, thinking in her head, the door is not stuck. She's actually says out loud it isn't stuck it's locked from the outside lowen's freaking out because like what if verity took crew like what if she did something to crew jeremy's thinking he doesn't want april to find them in there and at this point he's not thinking verity did it he's thinking crew is playing a joke on them Mm -hmm. and (laughs) she says i know this isn't plausible but did you lock verity's door last night and he admits that he doesn't remember she ups the stress level of the situation by saying if by some bizarre chance it was verity who locked us in here crew probably isn't here anymore and that freaks jeremy the fuck out he breaks the window and crawls out and unlocks the door from the outside from there i wrote a note that she killed crew oh my gosh is that what you were thinking yeah I I didn't even know what to think, like, because why would she kidnap crew? And I just can't get over, like, why is she attached to crew? Why is crew hanging out with her? That's what I wonder. So I was thinking maybe she would kidnap crew out of spite, maybe. But they're asleep. Thank goodness. April walks in just at this second and sees them looking all disheveled. She's barely dressed. All Lowen says is, rough night with crew. April certainly doesn't buy it. Lowen says, I don't know if she buys it, but I know she doesn't. And Lowen says, things aren't right in this house. Until he mistrusts that woman upstairs as much as I do, I have a feeling something else is going to happen. The other shoe is going to drop. After all, this is a house full of chronics. The next tragedy is already long overdue. So she decides to sit down and read the rest of the manuscript. So we're on chapter 14 of So Be It. Is this the last chapter of it? Uh, second last. Okay. And this, she's talking about the morning that Harper died. She says it only happened a few days ago. God, she's such a fucking bitch. She's saying, I remember how she smelled like grease. She hadn't washed her hair in two days. And I can't help but think, like, she hadn't washed her hair? Like, isn't that, like, the mother's job? Yeah. When you're eight? She remembered what she was wearing. She remembered what she was doing. She remembered the last thing Jeremy said to her. Chaston had been gone six months to the day. So, I mean, we know Verity's probably feeling some emotions. And she's saying, which means I had spent 182 and a half days building resentment for the child responsible. The last two months, Jeremy has been sleeping in the guest bedroom upstairs. And Verity's telling him that it's not good for crew he's spoiling him but she's saying jeremy doesn't listen to her anymore his primary focus are his two remaining children and he's grieving it's been six months like maybe he wants to just go sleep with his two remaining children that seems fine to me yeah and she says we've had sex four times since chaston died he can't seem to get it up anymore when i try 
Not even when I suck his dick. The worst part is it doesn't even seem to bother him. He could take Viagra, but he refuses. He says he just needs more time to adjust to life without Chastin. And I'm glad he can't get it up for this crazy bitch. Yeah. She says, you know who didn't need time? Harper. She's upset that Harper didn't even cry. She's like, even I cried. But I guess it makes sense that Harper wouldn't cry. Guilt can do that to a person. Back to the day Harper got what was coming to her. She was standing in the kitchen watching Harper color. And she asked her, are you even upset that Chastin died? And Harper was like, yeah. And she's like, but you haven't cried. Your twin sister died and you act like you don't care at all. And Harper's like, I do care. I miss her. And then Verity laughed at her. Yeah, Harper starts to cry, and Verity's like, she's pretending to be afraid of me. This girl is eight. She looks at Crew and says, now she cries. Of course, just now, Jeremy passes by and is, like, asking what's wrong with Harper, and she, like, mocks him, saying, sweetie, what's wrong? Like, copying him. And that makes Crew laugh, but Jeremy doesn't like it. He goes in there to ask what's wrong, and Verity lies and says, I won't let her go play in the lake, so she's crying. And Jeremy's like, you should take them. Basically tells the kids, your mom's going to take you down to the lake while I go get groceries. Crew says, I want to go in the water. Yeah, the kids are all in. Verity wants to know why she couldn't go get groceries. Yeah, she would prefer him to play with the kids. But he says, we're both depressed. I think this will help you. We need to look out for each other. And that makes her happy. Like, they're finally back on the same team. They're kissing. And she says, I felt him harden against me without coercion this time. So she asks him if he'd sleep in the room tonight. And he says, okay, but there won't be much sleeping. And I'm so glad that this is the last boner she gets from him. Me too. She says, after he left, I took his damn children to play by the water. She is so awful. My note on 254 is she's going to kill Harper. Yeah, for sure. This is where we learned that uh, Crew was conceived in the canoe, and that's why his name is Crew. It's pretty cute, actually. Yeah. She does mention that the week she lied and told Jeremy she was pregnant was the most prolific week of sex they'd ever had. She misses those days. And Mm -hmm. of course, that's what she's thinking about, missing Jeremy so much. And she's watching Harper and crew, like, not be dead. And now she's kind of thinking, if the second child dies, you couldn't possibly hurt as bad as you hurt for the first child. So if she just kills this one, Jeremy won't grieve as long, and he'll come back to her even sooner. She is such a bitch. She has no more room for grief in her life, and Harper no longer has a place in her family. She basically has decided. She puts the kids in the canoe. She already knows what the fuck she's going to do. She says, if the canoe were to capsize with the children in it and Harper were to drown, Jeremy might not have room for more grief. Exactly. They get the kids in the canoe, and she's thinking Harper jumped up unaware as she stepped foot onto the dock that she'd never know what the earth felt like beneath her feet again. Jesus Christ. So by page 256, they're all in the canoe, the lake was calm, and nobody's around. And she leans over to Crew and says, Crew, sweetie, hold your breath. And then tips the fucking canoe over. She hears some splashing, she hears some screaming, and she grabs Crew and starts swimming back to shore. She doesn't even consider going back until Crew asks her to go back. She's thinking... Jeremy's going to be so happy that I at least saved one of them. But Crew's not having it. He's like, Harper can't swim. She's like, I tried to save her. I tried to save her. And he's like, go get her, screaming. So she's trying to think, like, what can I do to not get in the water so she drowns effectively and still get Crew away from here so I still look like a good mom? And she thinks, Crew, do you remember how to use the phone to call daddy? Go up to the house and call your dad and tell him something bad happened to Harper and he needs to call the police. So he does. He runs up there. And she 
takes this time to very slowly go into the lake and very quietly call Harper, Harper, so she doesn't hear and get a second wind. She doesn't want to go out and bump her and, like, wake her up or have her try to pull her under. She was aware that she needed to be out there when Jeremy showed up and that she needed to be crying cold and on the verge of hypothermia. And so she just stayed out there and ducked herself under several times. Just get herself out of breath and get herself looking cold. And she said the canoe was upside down, which she knows that her and Jeremy flipped it a few times and that there are air pockets if it's upside down. So she's wondering, what if Harper swam under it? What if she was just waiting, waiting to tell everyone what she had done? So she only goes to flip the canoe to make sure that Harper didn't stay alive under there. And thank God she thinks she wasn't there. And she could hear crew calling her and saying, daddy's coming. So now she starts screaming Harper's name to really put on a show. And she would say, my daughter, my baby girl. Yep. (sighs) Finally, more people are in the water looking for Harper. And then somebody really flies into the water and it's Jeremy. And she says, I can't describe the look on his face as he yelled for her. It was a look of determination mixed with horror, mixed with psychosis. And she was crying real tears at this point. She notices now that Jeremy's probably going to have an even harder time recovering from this one. And she didn't anticipate this. Like, what a stupid, selfish bitch. Yeah, you didn't anticipate this. Like, why are you ruining his life? At this point, Harper's been under the water for half an hour, tangled in a fishing net. And she, she remembers, remembers Jeremy lost a fishing net that last year. And she said, what are the odds? I tipped the canoe the exact same spot. It was tangled beneath the surface. Had the fishing net not been there, she probably would have made it to shore. And that's what she's thinking about. She probably <laughs> would have made it to shore and been able to tell everyone what her mom had done. Jeremy is trying to perform CPR. even after the par- until the paramedic gets on there. Yeah, even after the paramedic gets onto the dock, he won't stop. He finally stops because the dock caves in and Jeremy rolls off the edge of it and Harper falls into the water on top of him. And she's thinking, I wondered if that moment would haunt him having to catch his dead daughter's body as she fell on top of him in the water. She did all this traumatic shit to him for attention. Yeah. He's just, he won't let go of her. He gets her out of the water. He's just sitting there with her whispering, I love you, Harper. I love you, Harper. And she goes over and says, I tried to save her. And Jeremy literally doesn't speak to her. He climbs into the back of the ambulance and drives out without even saying that he's going. And then she says his reaction wasn't quite what I had planned, but I realized he was in shock. He'd adjust. He just needed time. I was thinking at that point, he fucking knows. Yeah. That ends the second to last chapter of So Be It. Thank God we only have one more of those awful chapters to read. Mm -hmm. And we're in chapter 20 of Verity and... Of course, Lowen's vomiting. She's really upset about what the woman did to her daughter and to Jeremy. And she's wondering, does she tell someone? Does she tell Jeremy, the police? And I'm thinking, it's time to fucking tell someone. Yeah. Of course, she's thinking if the police found out, they'd lock her up in a mental institution and then Jeremy would be free of her. She was talking about her bond with her mom and said what happened between us was a disconnect, a broken bond. But she says this was straight murder. Yeah, and it's got her so stressed out that she grabs a Xanax, pours herself a shot of Crown, and goes to take her Xanax with the shot of Crown. April comes around the corner. They make eye contact, and Lowen takes that shit right in front of her and goes into her room and shuts the door. So you know this really fucked her up. Yeah. So she goes, and she's taking a little nappy nap, and then she wakes up feeling some warmth travel down her body. Something touches her lips, and it's Jeremy. Giving her a little kissy in the middle of her nap. It's 2 o'clock. 
and he just wanted to make sure that she was okay. And she's like, yeah, I'm just tired. I mean, she's just like tired, high, drunk, and nauseous, but she just says tired. He really climbed in through the window and she finds out that April took Verity to the doctor and crew's not there. So they're all alone in the house. Wiggly eyebrows. He stuck into that window for a fucking quickie. He did. He did. And he says that he checked the lock. He says if you slam the door hard enough, it could latch into place. So he doesn't think it's Verity. And then, of course, he's like, I like it when you wear my shirts. Because she's wearing one of his t-shirts again. And I'm so glad we're finally fucking acknowledging this. I am too. I put a sticky note that says the answer to shirt gate. Yes, the answer to Shirtgate, indeed. And then she says, I like when they smell like you. And he wants to know what he smells like. And she says he smells like petrichor. I didn't know what this word was. It's the word that describes the smell of fresh rain after warm weather. Oh. That's cool. He didn't know what it was either. She tells him there's a word for everything because he didn't know there was a word for that. And of course she knows that. She's an author. So she says, is there a word for what I'm doing? Falling for a woman when I shouldn't? And she asks him if he feels guilty. And he says, yes, but not guilty enough to stop. She says, well, I'm going back to Manhattan and you're married. He just kisses her saying, I thought about what you said in the kitchen. And he calls a nursing facility who's going to take Verity during the week. She's only going to be home three weekends a month. And like, he really cares about her, like taking her opinions into consideration. Yeah, but also they don't have that much time. So why is he wasting it talking? Right, exactly. He loves talking, though. It's just, it's it's so much. <laughs> she decides right here and now, since he's doing something to make the situation a little better for himself, that she's not going to do anything. Proving Verity murdered Harper is not going to make Jeremy feel better. It's only going to make him feel worse. And she's like, if Verity is really not safe to be around, it's going to come up eventually. She just wants him to start putting in some motion sensors and maybe a monitor. And now that she's going into a facility... She's going to be monitored a little more closely. It's going to be a little harder to keep up this facade. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy wants her to stay another week. Yep. And Verity won't be here this week that Jeremy's asking her to stay. She was planning on leaving in the morning because that's when her check's about to hit. So anyways, she agrees. One more week, Verity's not going to be there. And she is in love with Jeremy right now. So she's going to stay. And he climbs back on top of her. And they're doing it again. Just like that. He sinks deep into her. And then he kisses her, and he comes, and he doesn't pull out. Nope. And now is when they freaking conceive, for sure. She's thinking, we're both quiet because we know what we just did. We don't discuss it, though. And I'm thinking, you're going to have to discuss it when that fucking baby comes, y'all. Yeah. Then Jeremy finishes her off. He's very thoughtful. And then he sneaks out. So efficient. (laughs) She really likes him. She's like, I don't know if this house is fucking with my head, but half the time I'm ready to get the hell out of here and half the time I'm never going to leave. The manuscript is definitely fucking with her head. Yeah. But she's also thinking that Jeremy deserves to be with someone who will put her love for his children before anything else. And she pulls the pillow off her face and places it under her hips, lifting them up so everything he just left inside her doesn't seep out. Oh my god. These switches are so crazy. Jeremy totally has a type. He does. I put a seeking out another psycho bitch. Another one. In a long succession of psycho bitches, I'm sure. Oh man. So that ends chapter 20 and Lowen takes a little nap at the beginning of chapter 21 and is dreaming about crew when he's older. About 16. She sees evil in his eyes. Yeah. 
she's thinking it was as if everything he'd seen was embedded into his soul. She can't stop thinking about if keeping silent about the manuscript is in Cruz's best interest or not. He saw his sister drown. He saw his mother do very little to help her. And when he's very young, there's a possibility that that memory will stay with him. So she goes in the kitchen and it's just her and crew. And so she starts up a conversation with him. Oh my gosh, this is just... This is this is it. This is when the crazy shit starts happening. She's asking uh, him what game he's playing, and that's how you get into their good graces, you know. He's talking to her. He wants one of her crackers. He crawls across the table to get a cracker with peanut butter. That's what she's eating, and she hands him the butter knife, puts some peanut butter on it. He eats it, whatever. She's just admiring how cute he is and how he doesn't whine, and he still laughs even though bad shit has happened to him. I mean, this is a cute little moment, but then Lowen is like, can I ask you a question? She asks him if he used to have a canoe and if he ever played in it out on the water. And he's just saying, yeah, yeah. He doesn't seem too disturbed by the conversation. And then she asks, do you remember being in the canoe with your mother and Harper? And he doesn't answer. She can't tell if he's scared to answer, if he just doesn't remember. So she says, crew, why did the boat tip over? He says, mommy said I shouldn't talk to you if you ask me questions about her. She says, does your mommy pretend she can't talk? And then he bites down on the butter knife and it slices his gums. Ugh, she says she can see it slip up between his teeth and into his gums. Ah, Verity made such a crazy child. Lowen gets Jeremy down there, tells him that crew bit the knife and Jeremy's like, I got to take him to the ER. He needs stitches. Get my keys. And... <laughs> He tells Lowen that she has to stay there because he can't leave Verity by herself. And she does stay, but I'm just thinking, like, crew is insane. Um, I would leave this whole family, and Verity can die there alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but really, like, you're telling me that a woman that is bedridden can't be left alone? What can she do? Right, exactly. So he leaves her, and... She goes up and sees that Jeremy hadn't put Verity all the way in bed yet. Her leg is dangling. And she's like, not my problem. She slams the door shut and locks it and runs downstairs to grab the baby monitor she remembers seeing. She realizes when she's in the basement that everything's rearranged. The box where she knew the baby monitor was was in a different place. All of the boxes have been moved. And I'm like, hmm, weird. Who's been searching for shit down here? So that's something to remember. Yeah. Here in a little while. Thank God she sees it before she gets too scared to run out of the basement. And she runs upstairs to plug the monitors in. Not before grabbing a knife, though, because she is really fucking scared. Yeah. <laughs> she reaches Verity's room, puts her leg back on the bed, so she's not too bad. And then moved the dresser to set up the other half of the monitor. And then she plugged it in. And she locks the door. She leaves again and says, fuck this shit. The whole time she's pointing the knife at Verity, though. <laughs> That's exactly what I would have done, too. And finally, finally, she can go wash Cruz's blood off of her hands. And then go back to the office to make a video of this baby monitor footage. And this crazy bitch really watches Verity for a full hour. Just recording it for a full hour. Yep. And then she says another <coughs> half an hour goes by. And I realize I am being fucking crazy. I'm paraphrasing here. She's like, she would have moved by now. She hasn't even opened her eyes. She would have been curious about the baby monitor, at least. She's like, unless she opened them as I was running down the stairs. Yeah, which she probably did, but we'll never know. Yep. And she decides to finish the manuscript because there's only one chapter left. 
just going to keep an eye on her movements out of the corner of her eye. Oh my gosh. Chapter 15 of So Be It is pretty short, but it's pretty fucking crazy. It starts with her saying it's only been a few days since Harper died, but her world has shifted a ton. Two police reports wondering where her husband was, why the kids weren't in life vests, but she's crying and putting on a really good performance. And she's like, my performance is so good. They're too uncomfortable to ask me any more questions. And like, this is why men should not be police officers because you cry and they're like, I can't, I gotta go. Yeah. Jeremy ends up sleeping in the room with her. And so he's just asking her the same questions because he just wants to understand. And he's like, what was the last thing she said? And she says, I can't remember. And he said, was she still above water when you made it to shore with crew? She's like, I don't think so. He goes, did you know that the canoe is about to tip over? And she's like, no, it happened all so fast. And then he doesn't say anything. And he's like, it just doesn't make sense. And she goes, what doesn't make sense? And he stops hugging her and looks at her. And he goes, why did you tell crew to hold his breath? And that's when she knew. He fucking knows. And they had been sleeping in bed together, but not just the two of them. Crew was in the bed with them. So she was probably already upset about that and being accused. And she knows he knows. And she's like, fuck. She tries super hard to convince him. And she's like, I said that as we were tipping, not before. And he just looks at her and then lets her go, pulled away from her for what she knew would be the very last time. And he just grabs crew like he's his own personal body of armor, his protector from Verity. And he needs one. Mm-hmm. Yep. She said that she tried to lie still with no rea- reaction, but she cried quietly. And she said when her tears kept going, she walked to the office and closed the door so Jeremy couldn't hear her. Yeah, she just decided to go work on her manuscript. She doesn't really have anything left to say. She doesn't know how her life will end, if it'll be at the hands of Jeremy or at her own hand, or maybe it won't end at all. Maybe tomorrow Jeremy will remember all the blowjobs and the good times and all the swallowing, and he'll remember that he'll have way more of that now that they only have one child. And I'm just like, he's not prioritizing blowjobs over killing his kids. Yeah. And she said, maybe he'll wake up convinced that Harper's death was not an accident and he'll report me to the police because he'll want me to suffer for what I did to her. She said, if that's the case, so be it. I'll just drive my car into a tree. The end. And that's how so be it ends. That's insane. That's wild. And this is like where my prediction of the end of the book starts unraveling because I thought she was going to kill herself and I thought this was a suicide note. Yeah. So now we're on chapter two of, or chapter 22 of Verity and Lowen's thinking she didn't even have time to absorb the ending because Jeremy's Jeep is pulling into the garage. Verity still hasn't moved. She just peeks at the baby monitor and it looks good, but she's wondering if Jeremy suspected her and um, yeah, I think he fucking did. I she wants so to know like if he truly suspected she killed Harper, how could he stand to be in the same house as her? He walks in and says, crew got six stitches and a lot of pain meds, so he's out cold for the night. And she makes him some coffee. After he has his coffee, they hold each other for a little while because they're like boyfie girlfie now. Um, he decides to go take a shower. And she goes to the office. And what does she do in the office but notice that Verity is on her hands and knees on the fucking bedroom floor looking at the baby monitor. Lowen screams for Jeremy. Yeah, she drops the coffee cup that she had. Cup shatters coffee everywhere she's screaming for jeremy of course she doesn't have her camera set up anymore verity's head she says tilts to the side as if she heard her scream from upstairs but she doesn't have time to get her camera app open verity gets up fast as shit and gets in bed and she's in position and so loan goes up there and says get up i saw you Mm -hmm. 
She said, you're not getting away with this. And this crazy bitch starts pulling Verity's leg out of the bed, like pulling this disabled woman out of the bed. And Jeremy walks in like, this does not look good. He's like, what the hell are you doing, Lowen? And she's like, she's faking it. I swear, I saw her. And Jeremy's so fucking pissed. He basically throws her out of the room, locks the door. She's like, don't leave crew up here with her. Don't do this. He drags her downstairs, grabs her shit out of the closet and says, I want you to leave. And she's just like, she's crazy. She's been lying to you since the day you met her. Trying to fight with Jeremy about how she's right. And Jeremy keeps saying she's not faking it. She's not faking it. She's helpless. She's brain dead. He's like, you've been seeing things since you got here. And he keeps saying, it's impossible. She says, I can prove it. I know you suspected it, and I can prove it. So she goes to Verity's office, grabs the manuscript, every page of it, she says, hands it to him, and says, read it. And he wants to know where she found this. And, like, now that we know what we know, like, what a weird reaction, right? She didn't catch that. But um, he takes it. And she says, it's hers. It's all there from the day you met her up until her car wreck. Read it. At least the last two chapters. And she's just begging him to read it. And she's like, not for you, for your girls. Yep. And that's how chapter 22 ends. Chapter 23 starts with her sitting on her bed, just waiting for him to finish reading, saying the house is super quiet and it's really unsettling. She's just staring at her suitcase, wondering if she's still going to be kicked out. And I'm just like hoping they're filming Verity's crazy ass. Yeah, me too. I would have just fucking left. Then she says she hears a crash upstairs. It sounded like it came from the room Jeremy is in. He hasn't been up there very long, but he's at least skimmed it in the time that he's had, she thinks. And she can hear him cry now. She just feels so bad. And then she hears him moving around upstairs. She doesn't think he finished the whole thing, but it's enough for him to have a reaction. She's like, if I were him, I would have just skipped to the end to see what really happened to Harper. Yeah. She hears the door open, and then she runs across the hall to the office to look at the monitor. And that's when she sees Jeremy standing in Verity's doorway. He says, Verity. He knows that she's faking it at this point. And he says, if you don't answer me, I'm calling the police. She still doesn't answer. He turns around, walks to the door, and stops and says, when I walk out of this room, I'm taking your manuscript straight to the police. They'll put you away, and you'll never see me or crew again if you don't open your eyes and tell me what's going on in this house. She plays chicken for a few seconds, but then she opens her eyes. And scares the shit out of Lowen. Yeah. And Jeremy's like, what the fuck, Verity? Verity starts shaking her head saying, I had to, Jeremy. Jeremy's like, this entire time? He turns and punches the wall. And Verity's like, please don't hurt me. I'll explain everything. And he's like, don't hurt you. You killed her, Verity. And he's pissed. He's pissed. He freaking grabs her. She tries to jump off the bed to escape. And he just grabs her by the leg, yanks her back down to the bed. And he covers her mouth when she starts to scream. And they're struggling. He starts strangling her, a hand around her throat. And Lowen's like, no, Jeremy. And she runs straight up there to Verity's room. And I'm like, she's going to go break this fight up between Jeremy and Verity. And that's not what happens at all, is it? No, but also, like, Crew's bedroom is upstairs. How does he not hear this? Oh, I guess he's on pain meds. Yes, he's on pain meds for the night because he was keeping his mom's secret. And she goes up there and says, you're going to kill her, Jeremy. If you keep doing this, you're crushing her windpipe and they're going to know that you killed her. And Jeremy's like, she killed our daughter. And she says, 
think about crew. Your son won't have a father if you do this. So they just sit there and they're like trying to think of a plan. At this point, I'm like, oh my God, they are going to kill her. It's not even him. It's going to be them together. Mm-hmm. And she's really thinking if he chokes her, they'll know. There are going to be handprints. If he smothers her, they'll know. There's going to be particles from the pillows, but we have to do something. If he doesn't, she'll get away with it somehow because she's manipulative. So she starts thinking about how Verity tried to kill Harper as an infant and tells Jeremy, you got to make it look like an accident. Make her vomit, cover her nose and her mouth until she stops breathing. So it looks like she aspirated in her sleep. He does it. He fucking does it. She says she can't watch, but she can hear the gagging and then the choking. And it feels like it goes on forever. And it takes five to six minutes for somebody to die of lack of oxygen. I don't know if you ever plan on strangling someone to death, but you're going to have to hold that baby down for five to six minutes. Yeah, they did it. They did it all the way. She's all the way dead now. Lowen says when she turns her body to face Verity, she's staring at her. But this time she knows she isn't there hiding behind the vacant stare. They're just not saying anything. Jeremy looks like he's going to cry. She's just like, every good memory he's ever had with his wife died right along with her tonight. Her confessions ripped him apart, and I can see it in the way he's doubled over now, attempting to process the last hour of his life, the last hour of Verity's life. And I'm just like, yeah, y'all just killed her. She just had her last hour. That's crazy. She slaps her hand over her mouth and is crying because she just can't believe that they killed a woman. Oh, yeah. That realization is going to set in, isn't it? Yep. And Jeremy stands and leaves, and he carries Loen out of the room and lays her on her bed. She wants him to crawl into bed with her, but he doesn't. He starts pacing the room and is basically like, fuck, fuck, what do I do? He comes over and says, she died in her sleep. Okay. And she nods, of course. And then he's like, in the morning, I'll call the police. I'll tell them I found her when I went to wake her up. And it'll look like she aspirated in her sleep. And I'm like, yeah, get your story straight. This is exactly what Lowen intended. Mm-hmm. And he's apologizing to her. But I mean, does she need to apologize to? I think she probably felt like Verity got what was coming to her. And then he ends up going to straighten up the room and hide the manuscript. Thank God, because this whole time that he carried her down to the room, I'm just thinking, y'all need to clean up the crime scene. And thank goodness they did. He comes back down, says, we went to bed like normal, both of us. I administered her meds. Then I woke up at seven to get crew ready for school and I found her. And he just keeps saying, Verity died in her sleep. We're never going to talk about this again. And they say, all right, all right. I wrote the baby monitor, but then I realized that You can't record things on baby monitors. Right. And thankfully, April was gone. Crew was asleep. And that's the end of chapter 23. Chapter 24 starts seven months later. With Verity died in her sleep seven months ago. Crew took it hard and so did Jeremy publicly. Lowen left the morning she died, went back to Manhattan for a week, and then went back. Her outline ended up getting approved. She has two more outlines that already got approved. She's already turned in the first draft of the first novel it requested a deadline because guess what she's expecting a baby in two months so she needs a deadline on the next book so we fucking knew she got pregnant yep when she held it all in that one time (laughs) and she says that she's confident with jeremy's help that she will catch up on the work that she falls behind while on maternity leave she says we were shocked at first although not surprised things like this will happen when you aren't careful and like Was she not careful or did she purposely do this? Yeah. Jeremy wasn't careful. One of y'all wasn't careful. One of y'all was facetious. Yep. And she was wondering how Jeremy would take it to becoming a father again after losing two children so close. 
But she realized after seeing his excitement that Verity was wrong, losing one child or even two doesn't mean that you've lost them all. Exactly. So he is still sad for his daughters, but separately he's excited for his new one. And honestly, I'm just loving their life together. It's so cute. I feel like maybe I'm a little bit evil. They like didn't even define their relationship because it's just so organic. It's just whatever. They're selling the house because they don't want to live in the house that Verity lived in. And right now, as a family, with Verity's sick-ass life insurance policy, they're going back to the house to finish cleaning it out. And they bought a home in North Carolina, and they're going now because any sooner would be too close to her due date. Yeah, she's got to get into the new house and nest, as one does. Yeah. So they cleared out the office, and they're about to leave, and Crew runs into the house. He's like, I almost forgot something, and he comes back out, and he has these pictures, and he said, these are pictures I drew for my mom. I forgot she used to keep them in the floor, and then Lowen's like, excuse the fuck out of me, goosebumps, um, the floor, and she starts remembering that time Verity was on her hands and knees in the baby monitor what was she doing down there on the floor so she went up there and found a hole in the floor and she reached her hand inside and pulled out something small picture of a girl's the knife that she couldn't find Mm -hmm. and then she found an envelope and it was a handwritten letter to jeremy i was so scared at this point i didn't even want to read this fucking letter um uh, yeah anyways (laughs) that's the end of that chapter now we've got Verity's letter. Verity's long-ass letter to Jeremy. How many pages is this? One, two, three, four, five, six. It's seven, uh, eight. 17. Holy crap. It's or so 13. Long. Yeah, 13 pages. Gosh. She starts off by saying, I want to say sorry. If you found this, I'll have left in the middle of the night with crew. She's saying, basically, at the beginning of this letter, she's planning on um, taking off the crew. They had such a good life with each other. But they're chronics. They should have known their heartache wouldn't end with Harper's death. Yep. After years of being the perfect wife to you, I never expected this career that I love and devote most of my time to would ultimately be what ended us. So she's talking about how when they were in Manhattan one time having dinner with her editor, Amanda, he wasn't paying attention. He was looking hot, but he wasn't paying attention. And she wishes that He was because she had a really good conversation with her editor, Amanda, about doing this journaling because she was having a hard time writing the second book to her villain series. She says that writing from that angle, that perspective wasn't her normal. So her editor suggested that she stick to the same formula, but try journaling and just taking her everyday life and writing it from the perspective of the villain so she could get even more into her villain persona when she's writing the next books and make them even more crazy. And I'm like really fucking nervous at this point. Yep. And she said, this would have been a great time for you to be paying attention at that dinner. She's like, you're on your phone, probably reading an ebook that wasn't mine. Yep. It's called antagonistic journaling. You just get in the mind of an evil character by writing journal entries but making them opposite of what actually happened in real life. Yeah. She says it sounded simple, harmless. I'll give you an example from a paragraph I just wrote above. It's the one where she was saying how hot Jeremy looked and he was reading a book, probably not from her. She says, I look over at Jeremy, hoping he's paying attention. He isn't. He's staring down at his fucking phone again. This dinner is a huge deal for me. I realize this isn't Jeremy seeing these fancy dinners and meetings in Manhattan, but it's not like I force him to do this all the time. Instead, he's reading someone else's ebook, being completely disrespectful of this entire conversation. And I'm just thinking, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like this is, this 
this is the verity from so be it. This is like four paragraphs. She didn't even just give him one example. I'm going to skip down to the last paragraph. And it says a few seconds later, Jeremy squeezes my leg right above my knee and I stiffen beneath his touch. Most of the time I crave it. But in this moment, the only thing I crave is a husband who supports my career. Oh, yeah. And she says, that's how easy it is for a writer to pretend to be someone they aren't. My stomach was hurting at this point. Yeah. She said she wasn't very good at making myself much of a villain the first time I tried it. So I made a habit of writing down our milestone moments. I wrote about the night you proposed to me, the night I found out I was pregnant, the day I gave birth to the girls. Every time I wrote about a new milestone, I got better and better at being inside the mind of a villain. It was exhilarating and it helped. She said it helped eventually, (sighs) which is why I was able to create such realistic, terrifying characters in my novels. That's why they sold, because I was good at it. Oh, my God. By, like, the second half of page 300, she's saying she doesn't regret writing her memoir because her intention was to eventually help other writers. But she does regret writing about Harper's death just days after it happened because her mind was in such a dark space. And sometimes, as a writer, the only way to clear your mind is to address the darkness and let it spill out onto a keyboard. It was her therapy. At this point, I'm like, she didn't do it. Fuck, she didn't do it. Besides, I never thought you would read it beyond the first manuscript. You never read anything I wrote. So why, why'd you choose to read that one? And this is like a truck hitting you. He read the manuscript already? Yep. <sighs> it was never meant for anyone to read and believe, she says. It was an exercise. That's it. A way to tap into the dark grief that was eating at me and eliminating it with every stroke of the keyboard. Putting all the blame into this fictional villain that I had created in that autobiography was one of the ways I coped. She says, I know this letter is hard for you to read, but it can't be any harder than the manuscript was to read the night you found it. And if we're ever going to come to a place of forgiveness, you need to keep reading so you'll know the absolute truth about that night, not the version you discovered days after Harper died. And she goes through the story about what really happened. She says Harper really was crying because she wanted to go to the water that day. That's why she was crying. I told her no. She's insulted that she believes any of the manuscript or that she she was capable of harming them. She's really insulted Jeremy would even think that. She says Harper's death was an accident. It was an accident, Jeremy. They wanted to go in the canoe. It was a beautiful day. And yes, I should have put life vests on them. I realize that. But how many times had we gone in that boat without them? The water wasn't that deep. I had no idea the fishing net was beneath the surface. If it weren't for that fucking fishing net, I would have found her and helped her to shore. And we would all have laughed about the day the boat tipped over. So, she wasn't glad the fishing net was there. Okay, that's a revelation. Yeah. And she's like, I can't even tell you how sorry I am for not doing everything, anything differently. She said if she could go back, she would. She said she didn't want to live for another second after seeing his anguish. My God, Jeremy, to lose both of them. Both of them. And I'm just like, and they murdered her. 302 is her talking about she's noticing he's suspicious of her. She knows he's suspicious that she told crew to hold his breath, but she did tell him that she told him to hold his breath as the canoe was tipping over. She was trying to help him. She thought Harper would be fine because she'd played in that link so many times before. She says to this day, I blame myself. I was her mother, her protector. I assumed she would be fine. So she chose to save crew because he was panicking and she tried to make it back to the dock as fast as she could. She says not even 30 seconds had passed before I realized Harper wasn't right behind us. She says, I I don't blame you for suspecting me. I probably would have allowed my mind to explore every possible scenario if the roles had been reversed and she drowned under your supervision. She thought that he would wake up after that day he turned away from her in bed with her and crew and like 
want to talk about this and realize like how accusatory his question had sounded, but um, he didn't. So she had just gone into the bedroom and rewritten her entire manuscript to like tie everything in to make it seem like she really didn't want to be a uh, mom. And she wrote all about Chaston's death and Harper's death. And she's saying it was beyond disturbing, but she just wanted to release her guilt. She said she cried every time she typed. She says, I can't explain the mind of a writer to you. So and she even added foreshadowing into the manuscript. She tied it all together to put a neat bow on it. That's all it was. I needed for the imaginary version of my world to be darker than my real world. Otherwise, I would have wanted to leave them both. She said she printed it, stuffed it in a box, thinking maybe one day she'd get back to it. And she went to bed and she finally woke up to find that he had gone to the open laptop and found her manuscript because she didn't close it. She's um, just looking at her with sadness and she's like thinking she wants to say, no, it's not true. It's okay. But all she said was no. And next thing she knows, Jeremy's dragging her by her throat to the bedroom. And she said, if you would have just given me five seconds to explain five seconds, I could have saved us. He choked her until she passed out. She's thinking maybe he panicked and realized he'd almost killed me and he would have been arrested. And next thing she knows, she wakes up in the passenger seat of her Range Rover. Her hands and mouth are taped. Her feet are taped. And she's realizing that he read the scene in her manuscript where he was going to run into a tree with the airbag not on and her not with a seatbelt to kill her as an accident. And he did it. He tried to kill her twice. And she said if they left the manuscript out and she died, it would have been a perfect suicide letter. Exactly. His plan didn't work out, though, because she didn't die. She woke up and she just laid there. After being in a coma for a while, she woke up for three days just not knowing what to do. And one day, he caught her with her eyes open. And they just stared at each other. She saw his fist clench. She thought he must have been pissed that she woke up. So she just decided not to follow his eyes and pretend she was brain dead. She didn't know what else to do. She thought maybe if she was a vegetable, he wouldn't try to kill her again. And maybe he wouldn't go to the police. And she was right. She knew him. She said it was so hard. It was so humiliating. And do you really believe women are so obsessed with sex that my manuscript would be true? Be serious. I laughed there because I was like, true. Even yeah. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of sex. Despite what my manuscript stated, your love for our children is the thing that I've always cherished the most about you. She says, you were a good husband to me. And whether you believe it to be true, I was a good wife to you. But they can't get past two attempted murders. No. And the fact that he believes in his heart that she murdered their daughter. By page 308, she says she's not going through all this effort and hopes she'll eventually change his mind. Um, she's just doing everything for crew. All she can think about is her little boy. And she basically confesses on this page that what she's doing is waiting for Lowen's book money to come in. She snuck downstairs set up a bank account and she's going to steal that money and take crew. And what she's been doing when nobody is in the house is searching for the manuscript. And that's why all those boxes were rearranged in the basement when Lowen went and looked like she had to get rid of that. So he could never come back and prove anything against her once she took crew. Yep. And <sighs> she even mentions that Lowen is growing suspicious and she knows, and it's her fault. She says it freaks her out when she catches me looking at her. 
And she's like, this woman's entered your life, taking over my career, falling in love with you. And you're falling in love with her too. She says, I heard you fucking her in our bedroom a couple of hours ago. As much as I'm hurting, I'm equally as angry. However, you're so occupied with her. I feel it's the safest time to write this letter. I locked the door to the master bedroom so I'll be able to hear you trying to get out. Going to give her enough time to hide the letter and get back in place before he can make it upstairs. Yep. She said that it's been tough knowing that she's had to resort to this level of deceit to save herself from being convicted of one of the most atrocious things a mother could do. Not only that, but being murdered also. Yeah. The letter didn't save her from that, though, did it? Nope. She says that she keeps pushing because she's confident she's going to get out of there as soon as the money comes in, which is why she's leaving the note. She Mm -hmm. says maybe you'll find it, maybe you won't. And maybe one day... After he finds it, he'll forgive her and they'll be able to reconcile. She's not even mad at him. You were a wonderful husband until you couldn't be. And you were the best father in the world, hands down. I love you, even still. Verity. And that's the end of her letter. We get to chapter 25 and Lowen is shooketh, obviously. She's like, she didn't do it. She doesn't want to believe anything she just read. She wants to believe that Verity deserved what they did to her. But she's like, what if she didn't deserve it? What if this wasn't her last way to manipulate her beloved husband? That's what I thought. Of course, she's like, he already knew about the manuscript. Then what was with his reaction when I gave it to him? She realizes he never denied knowing it, but like, we don't really get closure on why he didn't say he already saw that or why he was even allowing Verity to live in his house, knowing all of that. She runs to the bathroom. She locks the door and starts to eat the page, eat the note, and flush it down the toilet. Yeah, she rips it into little shreds. She's eating every single piece that says Jeremy. She's flushing some pieces. She's freaking out because we murdered his innocent wife, and, like, she's seven months pregnant. Like, stress is high already. Like, can you even imagine this is fucking crazy? Of course, Jeremy's looking for her at this point because they were supposed to be leaving before she even went up there, and she just read a hundred pages and ate it. She's, like, just trying to be chill. Like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm coming out. I just uh, relived every terrible thing I've ever witnessed in my entire life. But, like, yeah, great. (sighs) She says she pushes it all back. I swallow it like I swallowed the letter. And then he's like, let's leave and never come back. And he's like, only 10 more weeks. Yeah, he's excited. So she's trying to continue to be a light so he doesn't know the shadows of his past and she says i will take the secret to my grave with me so jeremy doesn't have to and i'm like you have to take that secret to the grave or y'all both are going to jail yeah she's like even if jeremy was the reason for that wreck i can't blame him he was protecting his children Mm -hmm. they both believed in their hearts that she was a threat to crew and to them no matter which way i look at it it's clear that verity was a master at manipulating the truth the only question is which truth was she manipulating? The end. Which truth do you think? I think she was evil. I think I... she wrote that confession letter as a way to manipulate the situation still. As a last ditch effort as like her husband is fucking some other lady in her bed. Yeah. I genuinely <clears throat> don't know what to believe. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't like shit that ends ambiguous like this. Like Inception. Not a fan of that. Don't know if they're in the dream world or not. Also, was Verity evil? Was Verity not evil? All I know is they killed her. Did you have to read the acknowledgments at all? No, I didn't. I didn't read all of them either. I did read the top one. And it says, thank you for taking a chance on this book. It's a departure from the emotional love stories I usually write. That's interesting. This is not her normal book. Oh, I think I did see in here where it's like, to my husband, don't read this book. (laughs) 
That's so funny. So what did you think? I don't have a lot of questions for you outside of do you think she was evil or not? I thought it was a good book. Like, I don't like the ending to where it leaves it up to us to guess. Yeah. I don't want to think that Verity was innocent. But it also makes sense because she was so close with crew. Right? Like, it makes sense. And if she wasn't innocent, like, she's a really good writer coming across so innocent in that letter. Yeah. And, you know, Jeremy always said that he didn't like reading her books because it was so weird that his wife could get into that mindset. Yeah. So, I don't know. I kind of feel maybe I'm, maybe I'm gullible, but I kind of believe that she was innocent. Do you? I think I do. Yeah. Did you ever finish your other Colleen Hoover book? No, I'm halfway through that one. Are you liking that one as much? Is it gripping you? Yeah, it is. I just, it's hard to read two books at once. I get that. On a scale of one to 10, how would you rate this book? Honestly, I flew through the last 100 pages. It took me like 45 minutes to read that last 100 pages. So I have to give this bad boy like a nine out of 10. Yeah. Because it was good. It was fucking crazy. And you're right. Some of the things were predictable, but I feel like she gave us the predictable shit so she could really hit us with the not predictable shit at the end. Yeah, I could see that too. She's a really good writer. I'd like to check out some of her other stuff, but I don't know. It seems like her other stuff is really like sappy romance stuff and that's not normally my jam. So I don't know. Maybe an audio book. Well, I'll let you know how I feel with It Ends With Us. Okay. Then I'll make my decision after that. Okay. So our next book is going to be The Library of the Dead from Tende Huchu, I think is how you say his last name. It's a YA book about a girl who basically quits school and goes to talk to the dead. I'll read the synopsis real quick. Ropa dropped out of school to become a ghost talker. She now speaks to Edinburgh's dead, carrying messages to those they left behind. A girl's got an urn and living, and it seems harmless enough. Until, that is, the dead begin to whisper that someone's bewitching children, leaving them husks, empty of joy in life. It's in Ropa City, so she feels honor-bound to investigate, but what she learns will change her world. She'll dice with death, not part of her life plan, discovering an occult library and a taste for hidden magic. She'll also experience dark times, for Edinburgh hides a wealth of secrets and Ropa's going to hunt them all down. Sounds good. I'm so excited. I kind of looked through the book. It's about the same length as Verity was. So I was thinking if we read about 110 pages every time, we can do it in thirds. Does that sound good to you? That works with me. Okay, so the best ending place if we're trying to do about that many pages, is 107. Okay. So we're going to read the first 16 chapters all the way through page 107. Perfect. And we'll come talk about it in two weeks. Sounds great. All right. Talk to you later. Mm